month and a half ago, maybe, I spoke on uh, kingdom perspective and what that was. Um, and this is kind of adding on to that because I've just been thinking about that topic a lot. And uh, there was an article that I saw earlier this week um, that just really hit me and uh, would basically sum up the whole article. And this is interesting if you have kids or if you work with kids or have ever had anxiety in any form that uh, the article basically summed up that kids that have anxiety don't know how to express that they have anxiety. They'll say that their tummy hurts because that's all they know to express is because it's an uneasy thing and they don't know how to say how they really feel so they just say they have an upset tummy or that their, their tummy hurts because they don't fully know how to express because they're not, they're not seeing things the way we would see things after we know what anxiety actually is and like how to treat that. So that got me thinking on this whole process, which I'll explain more soon. But just with that being said, whenever these things are talked about, take time to talk to your kids or kids that you, that you interact with and find out what the actual problem is because if it can be handled at an early age, then that is so much better than, than waiting until you're older and having problems with anxiety or any of that stuff. So take time to actually genuinely interact with these kids. Um, but that got me thinking on a lot of times we express things without knowing what we're trying to express. And even as Paul, before he was Paul, he thought he was doing what was right. And everything that he did, he was doing it for God. And like he was convinced that what he was doing was the right thing to do. And it was just because he didn't know any better. So I think a lot of times we come from that where we're trying our hardest and we're really trying to do good. But we're held back by things that we just may not understand or we may not know how to express them. Um, so the sermon is titled, How Do We Process? And the three points that I'm going to do today is how do we process what we hear, how do we process what we see, and how do we process what we speak? Um, so the first passage that we're going to go to today, there's a lot of scripture today. I've said this multiple times. Today is more of a teaching and less of a preaching. Um, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. What does it mean to set your mind on things that are above that... We're not called to see things the way that we would see things in the flesh. We're not called to see things from our, our circumstance because our circumstance doesn't apply to everybody else. We're called to see things from a kingdom point of view. We're called to see things that would benefit eternity 
not just here and now, and not just for us right now? And how do we take our mind off earthly things? We spend time with God. We spend time in prayer. And we spend time studying His Word. Um, second passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through, through, through 7. No, so, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's a promise also. Think over what he's telling you, and you will get understanding. If you spend time in his word, he will give you understanding. One of my favorite proverbs is, the beginning of, of wisdom is, get wisdom. Seems like such a smart thing to say. Like, I would say that to, like, my mom and get slapped. Um, but, I mean, that's very true. The beginning of, of wisdom is just to look for it, to seek. Um, so do we see, hear, and speak things from a kingdom perspective, or do we possibly have unknown, hidden agendas? And uh, so the first thing that we're going to look at is how to how do we process what we hear and if you guys see me like keep doing this number I had a uh, tooth pulled earlier in the week and uh, they were like these ditches are really strong they're not going to break all of them broke within like two days so there's like the strings and stuff <coughs> in the mouth um, so how do we process what we hear? And this is the first step, uh, the one that I felt really convicted on, and I think it's something that we all tend to do. How do we process what we see and hear about what's going on, like, currently? So, 1 John, um, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And one of the questions that God just kept asking me over and over again while I was prepping for this lesson is do we listen like the, the, the world does or do we listen from a kingdom point of view? When we hear things on TV or, or read an article online, what is the first thing that pops in your mind? Like, what's the best thing for me to do in this, in this situation? What's the best outcome for me? Or what's the best outcome for my hometown? Or what's the best outcome? It's always something self-seeking. And it's just very natural for us to do that. Because that's who we are in the flesh. is just to look after us. And to look after the people that we're closest to. But we're called to be something different. We're called to treat people the way God would want to treat people. And God was not picking and choosing when he sent Jesus. 
God didn't say, well, I like these people better than I like these people. And the other question God kept asking me is, do we care more about worldly answers to problems or the answers to the problem that's going to impact the kingdom? Do we care more about the here and now than we care about eternity? And once again, that's something that's so easy to, to fall into. I do it all the time. That it's easy to see how this is going to affect something next year. Or how this is going to change something right now. But if we look at the grand scope of eternity, are we doing what's best for eternity? Or are we doing what's best for us right now? And I think that's something to really, really prey on whenever you see things on TV or whenever you hear things that are happening. Um, are we so focused on these things that kingdom is second place to your church? Or kingdom is second place to whichever political party you choose or whatever country you're from? Does kingdom take priority over these things, or do these things take priority over kingdom? Because that is a very hard question to answer, because sometimes we like to let them go hand in hand. And that's a very dangerous thing to do whenever we let an idol take the place of God. And inherently, there's nothing wrong with church. There's, you know, nothing wrong with having your own views on politics and all that, as long as you're not going against something God has already said. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of these things, but if you put them as an idol over God, and the way that it's been asked to me, and the way I like to ask other people, is there anything that's in your life that if God said, give it to me, or I want you to never talk about that again. Or just let that go. Is there anything in your life that you would rather hang on to that thing than give to the Father? Because if there is, that thing has become an idol. And that's something that needs to be taken care of. And if there's anything... So, the back to the question of how do we process. If God was to ask you to do something... If there's anything that you have to check with first before you say yes, that thing is your God. So, how do we process? Are all, do I have to process what I see through my view on politics before I process what I see from a kingdom perspective? Do I have to process what I see from what color I am before I, I process how I'm supposed to process from the kingdom perspective. Um, do we have an us versus them attitude? Uh, one of the biggest things that God kept telling me all week is if you read Paul's letters to the church, he never inspired church competition. He was trying to grow. He was trying to help. And he would tell, hey, whenever this church gets done with with this one, make sure you read what I wrote them and you let them read what I wrote you and everybody can just benefit together. But even in church today, we have such an us versus them. Like there's so many churches that think they have like a great plan and a great idea, but they're going to hold on to that because they're so scared that if they let anybody else know this great idea, other churches might do it too. 
and they might grow. I don't understand it, but it's such a problem that we see churches just wanting to hide within churches. And it really, really bothers me that in this country, the most segregated time is on Sunday morning. That is the least kingdom perspective thing that we can do. Because there is going to be no segregation in the kingdom. Um, Alright, now we're going to go on to preaching. What happens when you hear preaching? 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Um, anything that I'm about to say goes against anyone who is not teaching Scripture the way Scripture should be taught. I am in no way encouraging you to go out and, and, and listen to someone who is twisting scripture for their own purpose. Um, but the only way that we can know if people are doing that is if we're spending time in scripture on our own. So that is your job on your own time to spend, script, to spend time in scripture on your own so you can hear something and say, that's out of context. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But the question that I will ask, when you listen to preaching, do you seek to agree or reaffirm things that you already believe? Because that's one of the biggest things that I hear um, from a lot of people is, oh, I really like teacher so-and-so because they've never really said anything that I don't agree with. Are you really learning anything if that's the case? Or are you just wanting someone to say what you already think and just give you that pat on the back for what you already think is true. Because sometimes I really like it when teachers tell me something that I didn't know. And my first thought to hearing something that I don't already know is, is that right? And that leads me to the Bible to question it for myself and to figure out if there's actually truth in that. And I think if we're only just seeking to agree, then we're only going to go to these teachers that suit our own passions and that say the things that we want to hear. Uh, there's an author that I really like that I've quoted multiple times named Tim Keller, and he has a quote that says, if your God never disagrees with you, you're worshiping yourself. You and God do not share the same opinions on everything. That's why we need to continue to grow. That's why we can need to continue to constantly learn and constantly be in this word. And if you hear something that you don't agree with necessarily, don't automatically, unless you know for a fact that is unbiblical, then by all means, throw it away. Get rid of it. But if, if you don't know that completely, check it out. Pray on it. And one of my favorite prayers is, God, show me that I'm wrong. Show me that the way that I've seen this isn't how I'm supposed to see it. And that's how we constantly learn new things. And that's how we constantly grow. It's being open to God changing our mind. Yes. And it's a crazy thing when there's stuff that you've thought your entire life. And then God just comes in and he's like, mm -mm, we're doing something different now. Um, are you planted in the word of God or are you stuck in tradition? It's a very hard line to draw because, as I said with the other thing, we like to put those things together. 
and we like to say that because it's the way we've always done things, that it's the way God ordained it. And that's not true. There's a lot of time to change things. And there's a lot of changes within the church that God wants to make if we're just open to that. So, James one twenty two. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. People can tell that you've heard the word when they see you doing it. When they see you acting out what is in scripture. Um, The thing that I've learned over the past, since I was 16 and started spending a lot of my time with like atheists and people that are angry at God in the hardcore scene and touring and stuff. These people know the scriptures. They know the teachings of Jesus because they studied them out of spite. So they can tell you everything that you do wrong. But what's really sad is when they know the scriptures better than you do. And they can say, hey, you're doing this thing. Jesus specifically said not to do that thing. And um, there's one thing that always stands out to me whenever I think about this topic is uh, in my old band, we went on this two-week tour starting in Birmingham and up the East Coast and back. And uh, for the first time in a long time, we were going out on tour with a Christian band. And we were so excited because we were like, man, we can finally like have good talks with these guys. We can finally like spend time praying with the group that we're on tour with. And it's just going to be really good to finally get to spend time with other Christians. And three, three days into this two-week tour, they had already stolen money from us, um, done really sketchy things at concerts with uh, the, the, the crowds there, and were just overall very, 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 very disrespectful guys. But yet every night they would play, they would stand up and they would preach. And these two weeks were just very painful to me because I would see them on stage and then interact with them off stage. And it was just really discouraging because I would see like, this is what people see when they think of Christ. They see it's just a front that you put on, that it's not real to you. And then we got back from that tour, and we were home for three days, and then we were going out on tour with this band that was openly satanic. And we were spending two weeks with them. And the first night of that tour, something happened with our contracts, uh, and we were supposed to, each band was supposed to get paid a very small amount, but each band was supposed to get paid a very small amount every night. And we figured out that our contract got screwed up somehow and they were the only band being paid and that we were not going to be paid for the entire tour. Every night, this band split their profit with us. Every other day or so, they would call us and say, hey, we're at like Burger King or we're at wherever. What can we buy for you you guys? Because we know that you're having a harder time on this tour than we than we are. And these guys 
who every night openly spoke out against the things that we were preaching on stage showed more character of Christ than the people who claimed Christ did. Like, this was one of the best tours we ever had. And through keeping up with those guys, three out of five of those guys are now back in church, and they're playing on their praise teams at their church. And it's just really cool to see. But one of the things that really that really stuck out to me is is they came up to us at the end of the tour, and they said, man, we really hate Christians, but you guys aren't jerks. And I was like, you guys think all Christians are jerks because all Christians have been jerks to you guys. Like, I don't expect you to think differently. People can see that you've heard the word when you're out living the word. If you're putting on a front, people know. People can tell when something's not being genuine. And when we don't approach things from a kingdom perspective, all we're going to do is turn people away from the kingdom because they think that we're telling them whatever our idol is, whatever thing that we had to process the info through before it got to the kingdom perspective, they think that we're telling them that that is the kingdom. That in order to be the kingdom, you have to be this thing, whether it's Republican or Democrat or whatever it is. They think that we're telling them this is the way to the kingdom when Jesus said he was the way to the kingdom. But we put all of these other things in front of Jesus before we just let Jesus be Jesus. So that's how we process what we hear. Okay, how do we process what we see? John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery now in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and, and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone on her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one more than Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. One of the biggest things um, we justify other people's suffering. We see suffering and we say they did it to themselves. Or she broke the law. She deserved whatever she was going to get. Is that the way Jesus approached it? Jesus gave her grace. We are so slow to give people grace, especially when we think that they don't deserve it. If anybody didn't, it was her. She was caught breaking the law. The law that God gave them. She was caught breaking that law, and the law said to kill her. They could have followed through with that, and no one would have batted an eye at it, because that's just what you did. They were caught breaking the law, and they got stoned. But Jesus gave her grace. 
Acts chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his, his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I, I give to you. In the, in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took them by the right hand and, and raised them up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. We see people on the street. And our first thought is normally get a job. Or they did something to put themselves there. Or I can't trust them with anything that I have. Why would I give them money? Why would I look at them? Um, and when we ride by in a car and they're standing on the corner, we can't even make eye contact. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. The first thing that they did was make this person feel valued. They made this person feel important. They gave him eye contact, and they treated him like a human being and not a failure. People will stay in what circumstance they are in if they are being treated according to that circumstance. It's that same prison idea whenever most people get out of prison they end up going right back into prison because prison's all they know if they're treated like an animal in a cage they're never going to be anything more than an animal in a cage because that's all they know so if we treat people that are homeless or whatever like they're complete scum of the earth guess how they're going to act like complete scum of the earth because they don't feel valued they don't feel important and then um, there's all these churches on every corner, but there's still people just treating these people like complete garbage. Um, just from interacting with a few people over the past couple weeks, if you just take time and talk to somebody, they are just so in shock that you took five minutes out of your day to just talk with them because no one does that. But yet churches are full all over the country of people claiming that this is what we believe. But where are the people that are actually living it out? Where are the people that actually want to step outside of the church and make a difference? That's what we're being called to do. If we see something, if we see someone hurting, we are called to act. If you see everything that Jesus did, every healing that Jesus did, it says Jesus was moved by compassion. And compassion is what enabled him to continue going because he genuinely felt sorry for the people that were hurting. And if your thought is, well, I don't have anything to offer. Peter and John didn't have any money. But as believers, we always have something better than money to offer. Every single time. And if you can just spend... I have never... I'll say never. I have met very, very, very few 
homeless people that turn down prayer. Especially if you genuinely show that you care about them. And if you have time to, to like grab some food and not just give it to them, but actually eat with them, it'll change your life too, I promise you. They may think that they just want food or they just want money to do whatever thing it is that they're going to do. But if you give them your time and you genuinely show Jesus, it can change a life. I promise you that. That's what we're called to do. And this guy would have never known Jesus if Peter and John just walked by, didn't even look at him at all, and even handed him a good bit of money. He just would think he like so many times you 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 don't even look out of your car, you just hand out cash. Like it's not hard to interact with people. It's it's not hard to treat someone like they're human because that'll make them want to better themselves. And guess what? It'll make you want to better yourself too. So Matthew Chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice that log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the, the, the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do we see ourselves better than others? I think without thinking, a lot of times we do. And do we see our, our, our sins as smaller than other people's sins? I think a lot of times, without thinking, we do. When the, the Samaritan was going down the road and he saw the guy who had been injured and beat up and robbed, um, two church leaders had already passed that guy by it was the guy that would not have been supposed to, to stop. Like, it was culturally not okay for him to stop and touch this person. Like, he shouldn't have even been near this person. But um, two church leaders already passed the guy by that were hurting, and this guy stopped. And he, sh- he showed Jesus in a way that the other two were scared to do because they didn't want to get their hands dirty. When Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman. That was two culture shocks. He was talking to a female, and it was a Jew talking to a Samaritan. Jesus didn't care about culture. Jesus didn't care about what people thought of him or what they might say. Jesus cared about that person that was created in the image of God, and he wanted to help that person. He saw someone that was hurting. He didn't see skin color. He didn't see class. He didn't see gender. He saw someone that was created in the image of God and he saw their eternity, and he went after them. That's what we're called to do. How do we process what we speak? Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. When we speak to other people, are we giving them death? Are we giving them them life? Do you spend most of your time? critiquing other people or tearing down other people or even worse when someone's not there you spend time talking about that person because just because they can't hear you doesn't make it right 
Um, Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Quick thing, there's this whole uh, group that has been been studying for a very long time, and they have found a lot of spiritual roots to most illnesses. This is better than any medicine. That brings healing. And when you sum it all down, just be nice to people. That's all you have to do is just genuinely, because people can tell when you're being genuine and when you're not being genuine, just genuinely be nice to people, especially when it makes no sense at all and it can make a world of difference. I promise you, illnesses can go away just from you being nice to people, just from you showing Jesus to people. You can cure someone of an illness. And if you think that sounds actually like that's crazy, health to the body. God's word does not lie. Um, Luke 6.45 The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What do you find yourself talking about the most? That's just a genuine question of is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? When you open your mouth to speak, do you normally find yourself complaining? Or do you find yourself being thankful? Because if it's complaining or you're always down about something or any of that, you need to have a heart check. Because scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if we don't have that joy, then we're not close enough to the Lord. And if out of the abundance of our heart is what comes out, if it's always something negative, which I struggle with a lot, I really need to check on what I'm putting in. Because if it's just a constant outpouring of things that are not of him, that means there's a constant inborn of things that are not of him. And I need to be checked on that. So over the next couple weeks, just it's very hard to do this. Pay attention to yourself. Like the things that come out. Like... Are you encouraging other people? Are you tearing other people down? Like, what is your go-to mode when you're talking? Like, whenever you start talking to the people close to you, kind of cringe because they know it's going to be bad, or whenever you start talking to people, kind of get closer because, uh, you know, they want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I didn't mean to see that, but, you know. Uh, the altar will be open. <laughs> Philippians 4, 8. <clears throat> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable, that's a word, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whoever laughed at me on the word honorable, I won't see you at the altar at the end of this. It's not uh, very encouraging. Um... What are you thankful for? Like, seriously, what are some of the things that you're thankful for? I want to encourage everybody, write a list. And don't stop at ten things. It's easy. Just keep going. Just keep going. 
what are the things that you're thankful for? And if you dwell on these things, and if you keep thinking on these things, guess what? Your attitude's going to change because you're going to see, man, God has been so good to me. Like, I have all of these blessings. Even though all of these things might be going wrong, we're not going to look at the things that we're not thankful for, or we're not going to look at the things that we're worrying about, or the things that we're anxious about. What are the things that you're thankful for? Dwell on those things, and then let those things be the overflow of your heart. Let those things be the things that come out of your mouth. It's easy to be positive when you constantly think of why you're thankful, even if times are tough. And if we can give others that hope, then they will genuinely see Christ in you, and they'll genuinely want what you have. If you've ever been close to anybody where they have no reason at all to be happy, but you, you, you can still see Christ all over that person, it really, really makes you want what they have. And that's what we're all called to be. And we're called to be more than just people that complain like everybody else does. So, if your mind goes through any of these things before seeing things from a kingdom perspective, then it's time to get back on track. We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever would believe in him would not be Whoever means everybody. God did not pick and choose people. God did not say these people are more of a priority than these people. Jesus' sacrifice was meant for everybody. And the other thing about Jesus' sacrifice that we like to overlook sometimes is it was very uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Sometimes God's going to call you to be uncomfortable. He's going to call you to be like, hey, see what everybody else is doing? I want you to do the opposite of that. You see what everybody else is for? I want you to for that. See what everybody else is hating on? I want you to walk straight in there and show them my love. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Um, filters that I think are the most common that we could process through and if somebody wants to come back up to play some music um, I think the most common things that we tend to process things through before going to the kingdom point of view is the color of people's skin we tend to see that first thing and we whether we know it or not, whether it's culture or habit or the way that we grew up, we tend to treat people differently. Um, financial class. If we're not comfortable around certain people, then we tend to treat those people differently as well. Um, if we're not comfortable around lower income people, then we tend to be cold and mean. Or if we're not comfortable around people who have more than we have, we tend to instantly just turn away from anything they would have to offer, anything they would have to say, or any sort of teaching they would even have for us because we instantly don't like them just because of what they have. Um, our culture, uh, our country, where we're from, we tend to put these things above God because we see and we act and out of even a very good place, we want what's best for us right here, right now. But what we should be asking is what's best for eternity? What's best for the kingdom? And I 
really ask you to pray that prayer before just jumping on to like what you're for and what you're not for and I tend to do this all the time but really seek God um, age as someone younger sometimes you automatically <coughs> dismiss anything an older person says because that's tradition or, or whatever I encourage you younger people people have a lot to offer you and people that have already been through stuff that you're going to go through or that you're currently going through pay attention to them they have a lot to teach you and older people in the church be willing to teach be willing to open up share your mistakes be honest because these kids aren't perfect you're not perfect talk to each other there's a lot that we can learn just from each other as I say a lot someone in this room needs your story um, the history of a person, someone's past. We tend to instantly write someone off because of the things that they've done. When, as we saw, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus offered grace. Jesus offered truth and grace. But Jesus offered grace. And it was in a loving way. So, if any of these things hit you today, uh, I know just from like from like studying for this and typing all this up I've had a lot that I've had to pray about for the past couple days um, I would love to, to to pray with you I would love to talk with you um, if any of these things hit you in a way that you think that you have to go through these things before going straight to Jesus it's not worth it let these things go and just let Jesus be Jesus dear God we just thank you for words for your truth, Father, and uh, I just pray that if you're speaking to anybody right now, God, if you're touching any hearts, that um, we just obey, and we do what you're asking us to do this morning, in Jesus' name.